So we're going to go ahead and continue on with our series of who we are as a church. And uh, for about the past, I think, four weeks now, we've been talking about the culture of who we are as a church. If you haven't had a chance to listen to those or you missed any of them, they are all online. And uh, as you guys know, I do this every single year on our anniversary. So this is our five-year anniversary just uh, about a month ago. And every year we go over who we are as a church because I think it's important to remember the foundation of who we are, what we believe. And Peter said, when he spoke to them, he said, I, I, he says, I, basically, I know you know this, but I'm, I'm, not a, I'm okay with bringing it up by way of reminder. Because we have to, sometimes it's easy to forget. Any of you guys forget stuff? And particularly this morning, I'm having some issues. I don't know if you heard me playing the piano this morning. I couldn't remember anything. It was, oh, thank you guys for, for loving me anyway. But, uh, and thank God that our worship to God doesn't have anything to do with how well I play or sing, amen? God, he is still glorified. But we're going to continue on, and, and last week we talked about that, that uh, we are people who are filled with the Spirit, and that we still need power from the Lord. And this week I want to talk about that we are a people who pray. How many of you guys know that prayer is important? Prayer is important. It is a foundation of our relationship with, with God, because you can't have a relationship with somebody if you don't talk to them. Without communication, you can't have a relationship with them. You can't have a friendship. You can't have any kind of relationship. If you don't talk, your relationship will crumble. It'll be destroyed, and there'll be nothing left there. And the truth is, is that we've been called to pray. In Second Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Great news. That we have a God who actually hears us when we speak to him. I've always found that amazing because because uh, David said the same thing. He says, who am I and who are my people that you would even care about us? And I think about like, I mean, our God is not a God who is far off. He's not a God who's far away looking down, looking at us doing our thing. We're not a big science experiment to God. He is actually right here with us and he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to speak to us. Did you know that when you pray, God will speak to you? You know, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I know many people who have. And it's not an everyday occurrence that people hear the audible voice of God, but God will still speak to you when you pray. One, God will speak to you through His Word. If you've ever been reading the Bible and you have something that just stands out to you and, and, and you'll, you'll see something like, I've never seen this before, that is God speaking to you, drawing something to your attention. God will also speak to you through the voice in your head. That voice that you hear when you, you feel like God is speaking to you, it sounds an awful lot like you because God will speak through you to your, to your inner monologue, your inner voice. You'll hear God speaking to you. And you say, well, how will I know that that's the, the voice of God and not just my own head? It was actually a very simple test that you can do to know if it's God speaking to you or if it's somebody else. Or if it's just yourself speaking to you. If it aligns itself with the Word of God, then God is speaking to you. If it doesn't align itself with the Word of God, if you have a little voice in your head that says, go steal something from the gas station, it's not God. You don't have to worry about that. If you have a little voice in your head that says, go and, and speak to that cashier in the gas station and tell them about Jesus. And you're wondering, is that God or is that the devil talking to me? He's just trying to make me embarrass myself. Well, I guarantee you, the devil's never going to go tell you to speak to somebody about Jesus. If it doesn't align with the Word of God, then God is speaking to you. And the other way that God often speaks through people is through, through your leaders, people that are over you in the faith. 
I've had God speak to me through many of my pastors and those who I trust and have submitted my life to. God has spoken to me through them. See, one of the problems that we have, I think, is that, that let, me, let me just ask this. Has anybody ever wondered what God wants you to do? Have you ever wondered that? Anybody ever? Talk to God. See, that's the crazy about talking to God. It doesn't follow some special formula. You don't have to be a certain rank in the dish. You can just talk to Him. That's why Jesus was the cross of his turn so they can enter into the Holy Holy Speak to God ourselves. We can approach the Bible's boldness. In some of the New Testament, uh, in the, the, when God showed up, people freaked out. They all thought that they were going to die. How many times the angel was up and they said, oh no, surely die. They were present. And this is the fear. Even when the priest went into the Holy of Holies, one year around them. So that way, else not because of are not truth that unholstered sin that many of them cannot of God. Can't exist. Light had dark in front of God. That you would truth. The great was that Jesus went to us. We can turn with boldness and why? Because we've been made brand new in Him. He's given us a new life inside of us, a new spirit. When God sees us, He sees His Son, which is perfect. Which means that we can come in presence. And the Bible says, not only can we come in His presence, but we can come boldly to His throne. We don't have to be afraid. We can speak to Him any time that we want. And the truth is, is that if we want to be successful as a church, and if we want to be successful. As Christians, to live the life and to do the things God has called us to do, we're going to have to spend time in prayer. We're going to have to speak to God. And we're going to have to make prayer a priority in our lives. And that's what we teach you. That's what we believe here. And that's what is, like I said, it's the, the culture of who we are. And the idea of it being the culture is it's not something that we have to think about. It's just something that is ingrained inside of us. We are a people who pray. Amen? In Colossians 4, chapter 2, it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Do you know that prayer is not just a good idea, but it's actually a command? It's commanded in the Bible multiple times that we are to continue steadfastly in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, Pray without ceasing. Now, that was always a hard one for me to wrap my head around. Because how could you get anything else done if you were always just praying? You couldn't have a conversation with anybody else. I was like, how does that even work? How do I pray without ceasing? But then I began to realize that what God is looking for is an attitude of prayer. When you're at work and something good happens, is your first instinct to begin to praise God, to speak to God about it? Or when something is troubling you, is your first instinct to begin to speak to God for His help and His support in that area? Or do we never even, does God never even cross our mind? When we pray without ceasing, or we remain in an attitude of prayer without ceasing, God is always on our minds. We can talk to Him at any point. It doesn't matter where you're at. Some people are afraid to pray over their meals in front of their coworkers. You should be speaking to God out loud whenever you need to. It doesn't matter who's around. This isn't the only place that we see stuff like this. In 1 Timothy 2.8 it says, I desire then that in every place that men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger, or quarreling. Paul said, I desire that men should pray, lifting up holy hands. Remember we talked about, when we were talking about expressive worship, when we talked about the word of people who worship, what does that mean to lift up holy hands? And a lot of that is just surrender. When your hands are up, you're vulnerable. Hands up, be vulnerable to God and begin to pray without anger, without quarreling. What that means is get your eyes off of other people. You know you can't anger or quarrel with people if your eyes aren't on them and your eyes are on God. Put your eyes on Him. And the truth is, it's not even just a New Testament thing either. First Chronicles 16, 
11 says this, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his, think, seek his presence continually. As in, there's those words used again, continually, steadfastly, without ceasing. Prayer is such an important part of being a Christian. And like I said earlier, you can't have a relationship without communication. If you say that you have a relationship with God, but you never speak to Him, I would encourage you to reevaluate what you have going on in your own life. Because you can't have a relationship without communication. If I never spoke to my wife, we would have an awful relationship. I know some of you guys are thinking, well, that wouldn't be half bad, actually. We just, we, but the truth is, is that to have a, a strong, loving marriage, you have to talk. To have a strong relationship with your kids, you have to talk to them. Any relationship without communication is doomed to failure. There's no way around it. Because you can't know somebody else if you don't talk to them. You can't know what somebody's will is for your life if you don't talk to them. You can't know how somebody feels about you if you don't talk to them. And the same is true with God. It's no different with Him. If you don't ever talk to Him, how are you going to know what He wants for your life if you don't talk to Him? How are you ever going to get to know them if you know Him if you don't actually spend some time in prayer with Him? And the truth is, is that sometimes it can be hard. There are times when I've set aside times for you know a half hour, an hour to prayer to pray, and I'm in it five minutes, and I realize that I don't have nothing else to pray about. Anybody ever been? Is it just the pastor that gets like that sometimes? Man, that's why I like praying in tongues, because then I don't have to know. The Holy Spirit steps in with groanings too deep for words, because the, the Bible says we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the interesting that you'll find is that if you spend more time with God, the easier it will become. You begin to speak to Him about, about everything in your life. One of the things I think that we, we worry about and this is, this is bonus material, it's not even in my notes. But one of the things that I, I think that we worry, I think that we are somehow inconveniencing God. Like, I don't want to bring up something that small because, because it's too important for that. God doesn't have time to worry about my pet that's sick or my test that's coming up. God doesn't have time to worry about this little headache that I have or my minor problems that I have at work. That's, you know, God only, only want to bother God with the big stuff. You know, we're okay with, let's cancel our hands on him, let's pray for him. That's a big thing, you know, God. But God doesn't have time for my small stuff. But any of us that are parents know that that's just not, because we spend time with our kids, we want to hear about their day. Because they're about six. And shut up. And then you can push back a little bit. <laughs> but, but, uh, but we do want to hear about our kids. The little things, something that's important to them is important to us. And if that's the way we feel about our kids, why do we think any differently about God? God wants to hear about your headache, and He wants you to trust Him for healing. God wants to hear about the things that you're struggling with. And sometimes I talk to God, not even looking for a solution. I just need to talk to somebody, and God is there for you for that. God is our friend. He's not only our Lord, but we get to call Him friend. And we can talk to Him whenever we want. The best part about God is you don't even have to go somewhere to meet Him. Because He is everywhere, you don't have to wait till you get home and you're off of work and you can call your friend to talk to Him anytime you need to. If you're driving home in the car, keep your eyes open, but talk to God. 
You know, we're commanded to pray, to communicate with Him because it's instrumental to having a relationship with Him. And in Luke 22, 39-42, it says, And He came out and went, as was His custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed Him. And when He came to the place, He said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is Jesus. And I, I, I love seeing stuff that's going, through, going on in Jesus' life because Jesus is 100% man, but he's also still 100% God. He said, the scripture says he set aside his deity to walk as one of us, but he, he's, he's still God, yet he still prays. Jesus sets the example for us. So if we have Jesus who came down, God set aside his deity, came down to earth, and he still has to pray, don't you think that maybe we ought to as well? And Jesus set the example for us. And he says that he came out, and this is the interesting, it doesn't say he came out this one time to pray, but he said it came out as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him, and when they came to that place, he said, pray that you not enter into temptation. And then he withdrew from them a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. This was Jesus' custom, to get away and spend time with his God. Is that a priority that we're making in our life? Are we making sure that we have time to get away and spend time with God? That should be something, and truthfully, I don't care when you do it. For me, praying, reading my Bible, I have to do it in the morning. Because if I don't get up and do it, it's not going to get done. Stuff gets in the way. So for me, I get up in the morning and I, sp- I read my Bible, I spend some time in prayer. I spend a lot of time praying in the shower. Nobody bothers me in there. The acoustics are great. And uh, God doesn't care if I'm naked. He'll talk to me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you, I take that time to pray, and then I sit down and I read, and I do it every morning, though. Uh, particularly when I'm reading my Bible and praying with him after the shower. I do that every morning. But if I don't, I, it doesn't get done. I, I've come to know that about myself. And if you're the same way, get up. Make it a priority. First thing you do in the morning. Or set up some time in the afternoon. But make sure you're setting that time to spend time with God, to talk to Him. you got a long drive to work. Use that time to pray, to speak to God. And we're going to talk about some of the things that we should be praying for as we come up, but use that time. But I know one thing, that if this was the custom of Jesus, it should be our custom as well. 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul said, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That means be imitators of Christ. And this is what we should be doing as well. In James 4, 1 through 3, it says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. One of the things that we should be praying for on a regular basis is for provision. Praying for provision in our life that God would meet our needs and thank God that He's the God who cares about us and He's going to do so. In Philippians 4 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. Anxious is just don't be fearful about anything. Don't be concerned. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The truth is, is that we should be trusting God for everything in our life. Anything that we need, go ahead and speak 
to him about it. Now, for many years, when Michelle and I got married, we've been married for 15 years now this January, but we got married, and, and whenever she needed information for something, whenever she had a question about something, even if she asked me and I would tell her what it was, she would call her dad and get confirmation. She used to drive, not used to, it would still drive me crazy. She did it now. But she would always, she, it's like she would never listen to what I had to say. She had to call dad to make sure that, the, that I was correct or that I wasn't, because she trusted her dad. And whenever that she needed advice, whenever there was some sort of trouble, and there was any of that stuff, she would always call her dad. I'm like, honey, I'm your husband. Why can't you trust me? And uh, I thank God that to the point now, like, it is a lot better, and I don't have to, you know, shake her around. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. If she was here, you guys know. You guys know her. You know who does the shaking. Yeah, for many years she would call her dad. One thing I find interesting is, is that when she was in trouble, when she had needed advice, she called her first thought, her first option was to call her dad. The question we have to ask ourselves is if we're in trouble, who do we call? Who do we reach out to first? Do we reach out and trust in our job? Do we, you know, if we're having financial issues, do we do we speak to God first or do we immediately go? And, and try to find a better job. We immediately go try to get more hours. Do we try to take care of it, have our job take care of it? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Just talk to God first, and then go get more hours, find a better job. But make sure your trust is in Him and not in your job to take care of you. Are we trusting in our retirement funds to make sure that we can live out our lives? Are we trusting in the government? Are we trusting in our spouse? We have to ask, when, when things are going rough, or when things are going good, who's the first person that we call? Are we talking to God? Are we looking into all these other things in the world? Because the truth is, God should always be our first priority in all of those things. When something great happens in your life, you should immediately, before you call and tell your friends, you should be praising God right there where you're at. And if you're having something that you're struggling with, you need help with, you should be praying to God to help you with that before you reach out to anybody else. You'll be amazed what God will do through other people if you just ask Him first. The truth is, though, that when we ask for stuff, it does need to be according to the will of God. That's what the Scripture says. It says, first off, what is your problem? You desire and do not have, so you murder. So the problem is, is that they didn't have what they wanted, so they were just trying to take it from people. But, but he says that the reason why you, you have and you can't obtain, you fight and quarrel, but the reason you don't have is because you do not ask. How much stuff in our life? Because, once again, we don't want to inconvenience God. We're asking God to meet our needs. The truth is, is that if we come before God and we ask for something, we can do it with confidence. In 1 John 5, 14 through 15, it says, this is the confidence we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know what he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. When we ask for stuff, we should ask as though we already have it. And the thing about wondering, well, how do I know if I'm praying according to God's will? Just like here says, you ask and don't receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly. The 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says that ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So how do we know that we're asking according to his will? Kind of the same lit test. If it's according to the word of God, it's according to his will. It's not all the scripture. It's not his will. If you're, that your neighbors split up so you can have a chance with their wife, 
Not according to the will of God. God's not going to answer that prayer. If you're praying that one of your enemies gets hit by a bus, God's not going to answer that prayer. Don't expect to receive those things, but if you pray according to the will of God, so what does that look like? If you pray that people would, would have provision in their life, if you pray that people would be healed, if you pray that people would just be touched and be blessed, and you pray those things in your life, and the truth is, is that it's even those things that don't actually seem to, to, to add up. You know, is it the will of God that I, I have enough finances to to make sure that everything's taken care of? Well, the scripture says if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. So I believe that God actually wants us to be happy. Abraham honored God and he gave him a tenth of everything, but Abraham was rich. I don't think God has a problem with you being rich as long as you do what you're supposed to do with it. But God's not going to allow you to be rich if it's going to kill you. But I do believe that we can ask God for provision to make every need be met, but not only have our needs met, but that we'd have enough for it. The Scripture says every good works. We can pray for those things, and He'll give it to us if it's according to His will, but the truth to asking things that are according to God's will is to actually have the same mind as Him. If you spend time in the Word, the Scripture says to renew our mind daily. Spend time in the Word. Make sure that your, your, your thoughts are in lines with God's thoughts, and then you don't even have to think about it. Because if you are in step the Holy Spirit, if you're in step with God, you're going to be thinking like Him. You're not going to ask for things that are contrary to His will because you're, you have the mind of Christ. Amen? Anything you ask when your eyes are on Him will be according to His will. Then in Matthew 6, 7 through 8, Jesus is going to begin to give us some warnings about how not to pray as well. And Matthew 6, verse 7, it says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. What he's saying is here is don't let your prayers be empty. That's the problem that the, uh, the, the Gentiles were having here that he's talking about, is they would just say the same stuff over and over like they were trying to browbeat their gods into doing something. God is not moved to answer our prayers via us asking repeatedly for the same thing over and over. Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal for the same thing. In 1 Kings 18.27, it's one of my favorite scriptures just because I find it hilarious. He says, cry aloud. This is Elijah talking to the prophets of Baal. Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. Or he's on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. I mean, Elijah's just making fun of these. Like, maybe he's going to the bathroom. Yell louder so he can hear you. This is not the way that we should pray. One, we know that if we pray, God hears us. You don't have to keep begging God for the same thing over and over and over again. My recommendation to you is you ask God once, and from then on, you thank him that you have it. Instead of asking God and begging God for stuff, just thank God for the stuff that you have. That's what the scripture says. We just looked at in uh, in First John five fourteen through fifteen. It says, "If we know that He hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him." So instead of saying, "God, please do this," say, "God, thank you that you've already done this in my life." You know that God is also not moved by the amount of people praying. Facebook would have you believe something different because you send out the thing, and and one. Apparently, you can tell if you this based on what uh, uh, Facebook post you, you reply with. But uh, 
yeah, people are, are always, you know, people think that somehow if we get enough people to pray, God is going to be moved into doing something. The truth is, is that when we ask people to pray for us, it's not about reaching a certain threshold. It's somehow going to make God, you know, I really wanted to answer that prayer. If you would have just got three more people to pray with you, I would have went ahead and took care of that. We stand in agreement and faith. That's why we pray together. Matthew eighteen nineteen says, Again, I say if you, uh, to you, if two or you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. We stand in agreement in faith. We're not trying to browbeat God into doing something. And there's not people that have somehow uh, super special prayer powers either. You know, you can have one of your friends lay hands on you and pray for you, and it's just as effective if the pastor prays for you. The Scripture says, and I don't remember if I'm going to talk about this today, but the Scripture says that the, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. And we can make, we can affect, it doesn't have to be me. You guys can lay hands on your friend and it's just effective as, as me laying hands on them or anybody else. I love the innocent prayers of our kids when they pray for stuff. And I believe that God answers those prayers as well. Prayers also not to show how super spiritual you are either. Matthew 6, 5 through 6 says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray and the synagogues at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Prayer is not about putting on a show. It actually it somewhat amuses me when, when, when people are afraid to pray in front of other people because they pray, they're, they're afraid their prayer won't be good enough. Like somehow it has to reach some level of a proficient speech for God to hear you. But the truth is, is that God doesn't care what you sound like. Talk to him like you're a friend. Talk to him however you talk to your friend. One of them people that likes colorful language. And then just stop talking to your friends like that. And then talk to God like you talk to your friend. The truth is, is that it doesn't speak however you speak. God doesn't care what you sound like. And when we try to sound super spiritual, when we try to sound like we're, we're something else, the, the, the Scripture warns against that. Don't try to sound fancy in front of somebody. When I pray, if you come in to join us at 9 a.m. in our meeting, speak. what I do is I just repeat Scripture. I found that if I pray Scripture, it's in accordance to His will. And it's super simple. The truth is, the Bible is written in such a way that it doesn't, you don't have to be a rocket science to understand it, or to, to read it, or to repeat it. And our prayer doesn't require a certain level of, of sainthood before it's effective. And it has nothing to do with how spiritual we are if it's effective. Prayer should just be a normal aspect of our relationship with God. It should be an everyday thing. We shouldn't even think twice about it. It should be just as normal as when we came in this morning and we were all standing out front just to one another, telling each other about our day, how things were going. That's the interesting thing. You know, we, we, do need to, we do need to take our requests before God. But the truth is, is that if you had a friend that only ever spoke to you when he wanted something, how, how great would you think they were? Just begin to talk to God about your day. He's a friend, amen? And in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, it says, pray like this then. You guys want to know how to pray? 
The good news is the Bible lays it out for us. Pray like this then, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now one, I want you guys to know that this isn't a word-for-word prayer. It was quite often when the rabbis would teach, they would teach in patterns. And what this is is a pattern for prayer, not necessarily a word-for-word prayer that you need to pray. And the first thing that says is pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing that we need to understand that when we begin to pray, and this is, and, and this is really the truth of the way that you should do it, the first thing you do is begin to honor God, glorify God. That's what it's saying. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When you begin praying, start your prayer with, Father, we, I just thank you for who you are. You're such an amazing God. You created everything in the heavens and the earth. There is no one like you. Start your prayer in a time of worship to God. And then it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the next part is, is we need to begin to pray for God's will on earth. You know, that's something that we see that John the Baptist, Jesus, and his 12, and the, the 72 that sent out, that's what they went out. They went to preach that his kingdom was coming. That's what he's talking about. That God's kingdom on earth, his will be done. The, the church growing should be a focus of our prayer on a regular basis. And what I find interesting is anybody ever said that, that everything is the will of God? Anybody ever had people that had that idea that everything that happens on earth is, is God's plan, it's God's will? I don't find that in Scripture anyway. If everything on earth was already God's will, why would he ask for us to pray for it? If it was already happening. The sin that's happening on this earth is not God's will. Sickness is not God's will. Cancer is not God's will. None of those things. And that's why we're to pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The third one is give us this day our daily bread. What he's talking about is provision. We talked about this a little bit earlier. We need to ask God for provision. Ask God for the stuff that we need in our lives. But you should notice the order of priority though, right? One, give God worship. Pray for his will to be done on earth. Pray for the church. Pray for Jesus and the gospel being shared. And then pray that God would meet your needs. And it's okay to pray for God to meet your needs because the Bible tells us to do so. And the fourth starts talking about the relationship of us in God. He says, and forgive us our debts as also we have forgiven our debtors. See, the reality is, is this is talking about an understanding of what happened when you received Jesus Christ in your life. The truth is, if you had an understanding of what was already accomplished inside of you, the forgiveness that you've already received, the great measure of what that was done for you, you couldn't do anything else but forgive others because you recognize what is done in your life. If we believe that God forgives us, it should be natural for us to forgive others. Amen? The fifth one is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, we know that the scripture says that God doesn't tempt anyone, so what is he talking about here? The truth is, is that we're praying this so that we're not in situations, that we'd be delivered from situations where we're tempted to sin. Being tempted is not sin, it's when we act on those those situations, but that's where we pray that God let us out of those situations. And we, th- I thank God that the Scripture says that there, the God always provides a way out. Sometimes when I have sinned, I look back and I think, how did I mess up? Because I know God provided a way out. Why did I fall into this trap? 
Don't look at me. Am I the only person that ever sins on occasion? <laughs> That's good. I was actually getting ready to take note that y'all held strong. But the truth is, yeah, I look, I look at my life, and I think I'm like, you know what? What, what, what happened when I look back? And I don't know about you guys, but I've been many times when I allow myself into sin is because I take my eyes off God. Just for a moment. Sometimes accidentally. And unfortunately, there's been times in my lives intentionally. And I thank God that He forgives us. He still loves us. And that He's, he's still there for us. But the truth is, is that we should pray. The, the reality is, is we're easily drawn into sin. Let's pray that we, we are delivered from those situations, that we don't have the opportunity. We need to be asking God for help to live a righteous life. And many times when you pray that, God will just remind you that you are righteous in me. Begin to live who you are. The moment you are saved, you are forgiven, you are freed, you are victorious, you are more than a conqueror. You are all those things. Sometimes it takes a little while for, the, for the, our life to catch up with that. But the truth is, those things are true. You are righteous, you are forgiven, you are holy. We just got to remind ourselves to live like to to stop being somebody else, but be who we are, who Christ has made us. Mother Teresa once said, I know God won't give me anything I can't handle, but sometimes I wish he didn't trust me so much. One of my favorite quotes, a little skewed, the truth is, is that God will give you things that you can't handle by yourself. But that's why he's there for you. With him, you can, you can get through anything. God will be there with you right by your side. You're going to face all kinds of things in your life that you think you can't handle. And the truth is, if you tried to do it on your own, you would be crushed. But with God, you can make it through anything. You guys want to know another way you can learn how to pray? Come to the prayer meeting. 9 o'clock, Sunday morning. Wednesday, right after the worship service. If you want to learn how to pray, listen to other people pray. If you don't feel comfortable praying, of course, just come in there and sit. Pray silently with us. But you'll see how other people pray. And it's not, it's not difficult. Pray just like you were talking to a friend. Read the scriptures and just repeat them. Amen? Whenever I pray for somebody for healing, I don't just make stuff out of the blue. I say, thank you, Father, that this person is healed by Jesus' stripes. By his stripes, she is. So that's what the scripture says. I didn't make that up. I'm not clever. I just read the word. Speak it over people's lives. In James 1, 5 through 8, <clears throat> it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Isn't it great to know? One, you should be praying for wisdom. Left up for our own means, we're all kind of dumb, just so you know. Pray for wisdom. And what I love about the scripture says, if you, if you lack wisdom, you do. You don't, don't be curious about that. You do. Let him ask God who gives generously. I love it. It says when you ask God, it says he gives generously to all. That's you guys all, me included, without reproach. I love that because a lot of times we're like, man, if I go to God with this dumb thing, he's going to be just so disappointed. But no, it says he gives wisdom generously to all without reproach. Matter of fact, I think he's happy when we ask for that stuff. Oh, I thought you were going to try to do it on your own again. <laughs> That's what he's probably thinking. And it says, it'll be given to him. But he says, but 
Let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. You know, the truth is, when we do pray, though, we need to be crazy enough to believe that God is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. We live in a society that wants to constantly tell you that the supernatural is not real, that God isn't real, that, that he's some you know, crazy man in the sky, or, or you know, actually people spend an inordinate? Inordinate. an inordinate amount of time arguing against something that they don't believe in, which I find interesting. But the truth is, is that when we pray, we need to pray in faith and believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And the scripture says that if we don't, pray in faith, and we shouldn't expect to receive anything. We read earlier that if we know that he hears us, then we can expect to receive what we've asked. Let him ask in faith, without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And I've been there. I remember praying for headaches to go away. Because, you know, when... when, uh, Preachers preach on stuff. It's stuff that they're going through as well. It's stuff that they're trying to figure out. And, 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 and still, for me, I'll be honest with you, healing is one of the greatest areas of faith that I struggle with. But I, I know there's been times I've prayed for God to ask for a headache to go away, and I, I thank you, God, that this, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And then I'm like, still there? I'm always checking. There's this, there's this doubt in me. I, I don't know why sometimes. In, there's other areas of my life where I don't even second-guess it. But healing for me, it's one that, that God is still working on me with, and my faith is still growing in that area. But the, the problem is, is that the headache wouldn't go away because I was already beginning with doubt. And there's many things. When we go into it with doubt, but the Scripture says we can't expect to receive anything. We receive in proportion to our faith. And if we have doubt, the Bible says that we're unstable. But God is looking for people who will pray in faith, who will pray convinced that God will answer when they speak to him. And that's why I encourage you, don't pray, God will you. Pray, God, thank you that you have. That is an attitude of faith, believing that God is going to answer those things. In Ephesians 1, 16-21, it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of the revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the, Im- the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, and that he worked in Christ when he raised him up from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly place, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in this one to come. You know that not only should we be praying for our own needs, but we should be praying for the needs of others. I love Paul's attitude. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church, and first he says, I do not cease giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And every letter that he reads, that, that he writes, you'll see that he starts talking about how he prays for them and how he's encouraging them. Paul had the attitude, an outward-looking attitude to, to every one of his churches, the people that, that he was ministering to, and he prayed for them at every moment. And the truth is, is that we should be praying for one another as well, not just when we're here together, but throughout the week. 
We should never have the, the uh, us for and no more mentality. We should be praying for one another. And, and the scripture says, what should we be praying for? One, that we would have wisdom, that we would have revelation, that we would have a knowledge of him and a knowledge of who we are in him. Pray that we would see clearly. The truth is, is that we need that from one another. We need to be praying for one another on a regular basis. When I talked about every times that I would get in front of God and I would, I would not know what else to pray for because I had that, you know, us four and no more mentality. I prayed for my wife and kids and for me and like, what else is there? But when you begin to, to broaden your mind, I'm going to realize that we should be praying for everybody. The truth is, you couldn't pray for everybody in this church if you tried to do it every single day. You'd run out of time. And we don't even have that big of a church. A great thing would be to do is to, to write down everybody's names and just have a prayer journal. Say, on Monday, I'm going to pray for these, these five people. And on Tuesday, I'm going to pray for these five. And spend some time in prayer for those that are here in the church. The truth is, is that we live in a fallen world. And last week we looked, last week or the week before last, when we were talking about the, the, the Holy Spirit, we were looking and, and, and I said that we still need His power in today's day and age. We need His power. We also need prayer for one another. We're going to make it in this fallen world. And I think that if we would pray for one another regularly to make sure that people are blessed, that their relationships are strong, that they would have revelation and wisdom, that they would know Jesus, that they have boldness, that they have strength, that they have courage, if we would begin to pray that for one another regularly, I think that we would see some amazing things happen in one another's lives. We would see blessing. We would see change. We would see growth. We would see an impact. Because your prayer has power, not only in your own life, but it can affect somebody else's. So I would encourage you to pray for one another. And then we'll finish here in Acts 2.42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Prayer needs to be a priority in our lives. We look at the early church, and this is what it says about them. They did, the early church did some things. One, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That means we need to devote ourselves to the Word of God. That means we need to make sure that we're here on Sunday mornings to hear the teaching, but not just Sunday mornings, because if you only hear God's Word on Sunday mornings, you're going to have a huge deficit in your life. You need to be preaching to yourself as well. You need to be spending time in His Word on a regular basis. That's the only way you're going to learn who you are in Him, and the only way you're going to learn who He is. Then it says, they were devoted to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. One of the things that you guys will always hear me say is that we are a family here. If we're only seeing each other on Sunday morning, then something is wrong. If you're only talking to people on Sunday morning, then something is wrong. The early church, they devoted themselves to fellowship and the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread just means they got together and had dinner sometimes. They had lunch together. They called each other on the phone. Sent each other an email every now and then. Said, how are you doing? They, they were committed to fellowship. Not only should we be praying for people in the church, but we should be reaching out to them. We're a family, and that's what families do. They, they talk to the people that are there. Say hi. And the reality is, is that the pastor can't do it by himself. I cannot reach out and, and, and visit with and talk to every single person in this church every single week. We have to be doing that with one another. Say hi to each other. Get each other's phone number. 
And then it says, they devoted themselves to prayer. Church, we need to devote ourselves to prayer. And that's who we are as a church. That's what is always taught from the pulpit up here is that we're a church who prays. It's one of our announcements that we regularly have, that we have our prayer meetings. I keep thinking if I put it up there enough, then that room will eventually fill up. But I encourage you, come pray with us. Stand together with us as we are praying for this city. We're praying for one another. We're praying for our government. We're praying for the growth of this church, the growth of this family. Let's just make prayer a priority in our lives.